Welcome back, Sparks in Actioners listeners. This is Donna. I'm glad to have you back with us. So I have a wonderful guest today. I feel like I'm always saying I have wonderful guests because I do. <laughs> so today I have Jill Gabay. And let me tell you about Jill. Jill is a certified registered nurse anesthetist. Try saying that three times. She is the founder of the Ketamine Wellness Infusion Center and Spa in Ballackinwood, Pennsylvania. Jill has worked in critical care and intensive care. And she has worked essentially for 34 years in a variety of settings in the Philadelphia area. She has helped to staff surgical centers and as well as mentoring students. She is a member of the American Society of Ketamine Physicians, Psychotherapists, and Practitioners. And I have invited Jill on for two reasons. One is that I know Jill to be a person of just high standards, honesty, ethical, and extremely capable. And Jill is here to talk about a subject that I think is an exciting subject and something that she is very qualified to talk about, particularly with her background in anesthesia. And that is ketamine. Ketamine as a treatment for intractable depression, uh, sometimes for anxiety, for PTSD. So we're gonna, talk about that and uh welcome jill nice to have you here thank you for having me pleasure so jill the first question i have for you has to do a little bit more about your journey and how you came to go from working in uh hospitals medical centers surgical centers you know in your work as an uh, anesthesia nurse uh, and pivoting into this work and opening up this ketamine clinic? Great question. I, I've been uh, giving anesthesia now for about 34, 35 years in September, and I love it. Um, I've always found it interesting and exciting, and I have loved my career. As the body gets older, <laughs> we face new challenges, and we push our patients on stretchers to their operating room where they're going to have their whatever procedure. So um, in the last few years, I've had several hip surgeries and I decided that I wanted to maybe do that a little bit less and do something else a little bit more, but I still wanted to work with patients. And so um, I started to hear about ketamine and ketamine centers uh, forming to help patients with the depression, PTSD, et cetera. And I decided that that would be something that I would love to do because I wanted to keep my patient contact and help people. Mm -hmm. Again, as I said earlier, that's such an organic pivot to me that makes so much sense. And uh, yeah, I mean, those gurneys have got to get heavy after 30, <laughs> 33 do, years, do. right? It's right. a physical job. It's a very physical job. Oh, so, 
I'm guessing when you're monitoring your patient under anesthesia, you're on your feet a lot. It's a high stress job. It's not, it can know, be. it's not easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. Well, that makes a whole lot of sense. So let's move into ketamine and let's demystify what ketamine is, how it works on the brain and why we're hearing so much about it in the last three, four years. Mm-hmm. So rather than leave you with this huge, broad question, <laughs> I, you know, I'll, I sort of pare it down a little bit for you. So the first question would be, what is ketamine? If you could share that with our listeners, what is a little bit about its history before its current uses? And then how did it come to our major medical research centers as it is now? Ketamine is a drug that uh, it's been used in anesthesia for 60 or more years. It's actually classified as a dissociative anesthetic, uh, separating the thinking and feeling sides of the brain. It's really one of the more perfect anesthetics we have in that it creates um, pain relief or analgesia, amnesia, so that a procedure is not remembered. And at the same time, it supports blood pressure, heart rate, and breathing, unlike some of the other drugs that suppress those or depress those. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. because it's excitatory? It has that property? Mm-hmm. Okay. It has that catecholamine-like effect. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, very interesting. So, um, so can you talk a little bit about how it actually interacts with the human brain, the role of glutamate and just parse that out for us a little bit so people understand that. Thank you. Yes. Ketamine works at the NMDA receptors. NMDA receptors are all throughout the brain and nervous system. Now, most impulses are thought to be electric. The neurons have this electric excitability. They conduct And that's how we think and feel and do everything we do. But in between those neurons, at the junction of those um, neurons in between, they have neurotransmitters and that's where ketamine works. So on those uh, synapses, on those neurons that are right next to each other, but not quite connected, there sits this thing called the glutamate receptor and glutamate is a chemical a neurotransmitter that is present in almost every part of our body or nervous system somewhere so the ketamine blocks the the glutamate from exciting the nervous system Um, it actually by doing that by blocking the glutamate it's actually allowing the GABA, which is a more relaxing and calming uh, neurotransmitter, to, to work more and to produce the relaxation effects of, well, of any tranquilizer, which ketamine really is. Okay. So that's so interesting. And, and I know there's like a reciprocal, reciprocal excuse me, relationship between the GABA and the glutamate, right? Mm-hmm. One lowers one increases is is that am i please correct me if i'm wrong um i'm have to be honest i'm i'm not sure if it's exactly um you know uh, functional in that when one goes down the other grows up proportionately but definitely there's always a balance okay 
that's being strived for in the body and in the nervous system. Okay, great, great, great. So let's talk about then how it is that ketamine has been shown to have, I mean, all over the NIH literature, they're using the word, you know, robust reactions. I mean, this is not just people talking, but there's some very heavy hitting research going on, particularly at Yale. So if you could just talk a little bit about how it works with treatment resistant depression in particular, but also post-traumatic and even, Mm -hmm. you know, chronic anxiety. Right. So the, um, again, the, the glutamate is um, not allowed to work because it is being uh, blocked at its receptor by the ketamine. So therefore, um, there is less excitation going on. And what this does is it creates two things. It creates the calming effect, but it also creates new neuron connections. So it's the neuroplasticity that's really thought to be the big wow here. That's so much different than all of the other uh, medications that are available. And even it's just different from every other treatment available. Yeah, you know, and and the thing about that is, you know, back in when I was practicing a lot as as a psychotherapist, particularly in the 90s, well, I guess SSRIs, you know, Prozac and the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors all came to the fore and every thought, everybody thought, okay, serotonin, that's our magic key for depression, for treatment-resistant depression, but serotonin is only like 20% of the neurotransmitters. And I, I wanted to read you because I, it, uh, a quote that I came across from John Crystal, MD, who's the chief of psychiatry at the Mail, uh, Yale Academy uh, Medical Center. And he is a huge researcher in ketamine and he's clinics administer ketamine treatment. And he wrote, these are, I'm going to quote his words so listeners can hear this. He writes, quote, with most medications like Valium, so he's talking about anti-anxiety, anti-anxiolytics, but still you can replace, I guess, Valium for Prozac. And with most medications like Valium, the anti-anxiety effect only lasts when it's in your system. When the medication goes away, you get a rebound anxiety. When you take ketamine, it triggers reactions in your cortex that enable the brain connections to regrow. Mm -hmm. It's the reaction of ketamine in the body, not the mere presence of ketamine in the body that constitutes its effect. And I think that's so interesting Mm -hmm. that it's what the reaction it causes and not just its presence. And that must have to do so much with why so many people and patients are shocked by how effective it feels for them. They are. They are truly astounded. I'll bet. So I'd like to ask you if you could just walk us through. So let's say somebody contacts your clinic and let's say they want to come because they are experiencing chronic depression, treatment resistance, SSRIs doesn't work 
cognitive behavioral therapy doesn't work. None of it seems to work. So what is your protocol? How do you, if you can walk us through what it's like to be a patient at your center? Sure. Um, so patients find us in many different ways. Some are referred by therapists or psychiatrists. Some just find us on Google and uh, they call us or they reach out on our website and we, um, you know, we go through a detailed intake process. We, we ask them, of course, you know, we need all the basic information and allergies and things like that. And then we, um, I explain to them uh, about how ketamine works as the way we were just describing. And I answer any questions that they may have. And they usually have some very good questions and the patients are very well researched. Um, at that time, um, I go through a brief medical history and a brief um, history. What, what are they, what medications have they tried? What other therapies have they tried? Some patients have tried the whole gamut. They've, they've tried, you know, as many as 10 or, or more medications. Mm -hmm. And they've tried sometimes uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation or TMS. They've even a few have tried ECT. Mm -hmm. uh, so electrical uh, convulsive therapy. Um, I just, and, if, if I may, I just want to say to listeners, right. modern ECT listeners is not what it was back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. <laughs> Go ahead, Jill. I'm sorry. Okay. No, no, not at all. So, so they've tried many things and they're really at their wit's end. And um, they're just looking for some, yeah. some, not instant, but some quicker relief. Yeah. Um, they don't want to try any more medications. They've had it. So I explained to them that unlike the other medications, the nice thing about ketamine is sometimes even in one hour, it works. Some patients, it may take mm, four or five infusions, but uh -huh. for a lot of patients, after even one, two or three infusions, they're feeling much, much better. Uh -huh. So we continue the intake process. Then we obtain some medical records after we have their permission to do so, uh, some simple blood work. And then once we know that everything is a-okay and this is gonna be safe for the patient, uh, we actually have a nurse practitioner who does a psychiatric evaluation just mm -hmm. to add another layer of caution and safety and expertise. And after we get the uh, thumbs up from the nurse practitioner and everything's clear to go and safe, then we have the patients come in and I explain the whole procedure to them, how I'll start an IV and I'll have them hooked up to a monitor. They'll be in a very comfy chair. We encourage aromatherapy just to add to the senses. We encourage, highly encourage music um, oh. as, a, as a carrier into, in, into their you know, nervous system in, inside. Uh -huh. And um, you know, we even suggest certain playlists or certain types of music. And then I explain to them that they'll feel the ketamine come on slowly. It'll be with them for the 40 minutes. Then it will start to wear off slowly. We'll be with them the whole time and that they will be very safe. I have a question about that. When you say they'll feel the beginnings of the ketamine come on mm -hmm. slowly, what typically is that like for them? How will people describe it? So after we turn the infusion pump on, um, I would say within about a minute and a half to two minutes, the patients will start to, to sort of look, look around and, and be like, oh, I, I think I'm starting to feel it. <laughs> and, but it's very subtle. 
unlike oh. some of the other methods of delivery. This is very, very smooth and very controlled. Uh -huh. So they'll start to feel like they're getting floaty or they'll describe an out of body type of feeling, or they'll even say that they felt like their limbs were a little bit numb. Uh -huh. or they feel lighter sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And that's all um, to be expected. Uh, mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. And so, so um, once they start to feel that, and if people are feeling uh, that's that beginning of like that slight, like out of their body kind of experience, mm -hmm. do, do people oftentimes at that point want to talk? Do they want to process? Do they generally, do they become more verbal or do they prefer generally to become less verbal? It can be very different for everybody, yeah. but I would say overall, patients become uh, less verbal as they're listening to their music and they're going into their mind and into their you know, consciousness. Uh -huh. um, once in a while, I'll have a patient that sits and talks the whole time uh -huh. and that's fine too. Uh -huh. um, but I always encourage the patients to allow the ketamine to, to take them where they need to go and to just go with the ketamine, just go uh -huh. with the flow and, 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 and allow themselves to go with it. It's uh -huh. the, probably the best thing to do uh, to get the most out of the session. Do people describe when they're like just sort of going with the experience, are they able to start to witness or make sense of some of their habit patterns, some of their like, you know, narratives mm -hmm. and see how the mind constructs stories and narratives? Is that something that often happens during the ketamine infusion or is that something that might begin to happen more and more down the road? Yeah, I think that level of detail may happen more and more down the road. Uh -huh. But many patients will say, well, first of all, a lot of people say they can't even describe it. It was, they say that it was amazing, but they really can't find words to describe it. Then oh. some who can say that they were maybe um, working on something. They felt that they were solving a problem or uh -huh. almost at the they almost had the answer to a question that they were trying to, you know, like a puzzle they were trying to solve. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I don't know if they actually process it in full until mm -hmm. sometime after the infusion. And that's where I think the ketamine assisted psychotherapy comes in uh, because it's really great with helping patients process what they may have experienced. Felt. Right. Right. And it, it seems like a really good marriage is the infusion, the ketamine and cognitive behavioral therapy from all the literature, at least it looks like, you know, the two of the, the two work beautifully together, you mm -hmm. know? So, yeah, cause that was one of my questions. So, um, so people have this experience and then how is it that you and the patient just decide you know, their particular protocol, how to come back, what kind of dosage. And then if you can also share a little bit about how then, you know, what kind of follow-up you recommend and what kind of follow-up care people typically have. Sure. The standard protocol that was developed at Yale 
and uh, some of the other large centers includes six uh, ketamine therapy sessions. So that's six infusions yeah. over approximately two to three weeks. Okay. Um, it doesn't seem to matter much whether it's done within two weeks, two and a half weeks, or three weeks, but somewhere close together like that. So, um, and as I said, sometimes a patient will feel much better after even one infusion, where some patients may not even start to feel any benefit until infusion four or five. Uh -huh. uh, so, um, yeah, so I think that... Um, what so what I do is I I sit with the patient prior to starting their infusion and I explain what I'm going to do and I explain what they're going to feel. I ask them to set an intention, a positive thought, maybe or something they would like to visit or work on. And that's called the setting. So they're set and setting. Right. Um, again, we try to make the room very calming and um, very sensory oriented. Um, then they have their infusion. As the infusion is starting to wear off, which takes about 10 or 15 minutes after the infusion is complete, um, I, will, uh, I will sit and talk with them calmly, softly. But I always recommend to patients that they should be in therapy mm -hmm. during the process of having these ketamine infusions. Mm -hmm. In fact, I pretty much refer anybody that doesn't have a therapist to a therapist. And we have, we have therapists that do all the different types of therapy. And then we also have a couple therapists now that I refer to that do specifically ketamine assisted psychotherapy oh. so that they can really help with prep and process afterwards. Yeah. And you're very clear on that on your website and we'll give people information how to reach you and your website towards the end of our conversation but in the video that you have on your website you're very clear that you offer this service and you see yourself as part of a large team and mm -hmm. i think that's so important because something's happening in the body something's happening in the brain and it's something that's powerful and potentially very robust and extremely very often very helpful and that said people also need to integrate that you know yes. and so having you know having both seems to me like that's the golden nugget you know for people to take this experience and while they know it to be positive somehow in their system be able to move on with it and create structures in their life that are going to support, you know, this positive effect. And I love that you're so clear about that in your mission, if you will. <laughs> yes, I try. that is the mission actually, is to have a, a whole team kind of effect. But I do stress to them that, you know, ketamine is only a part of things that, you know, whatever tools that they developed over the years, or hopefully have developed some, to maybe they'll be able to either call on those after their yeah. sessions or you know if they haven't been using them because they were too depressed maybe they can you know reconnect with their tools whatever that might be for them we talk about it you know when we're just greeting each other each time you know uh, whether it be their meditation or their exercise sports we've had a whole host of different 
interesting ways that patients will, uh, you know, help to heal themselves. And I tell them it's very important that they keep those, keep those going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and I wanted to also just with that, because as I said earlier in the introduction, that you are someone who I have enormous respect for, because I know you to be a kind, smart, responsible, <laughs> utterly professional human being. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, so where are the contraindications? So, where would ketamine really not be appropriate? So, there are a few scenarios where it is not appropriate. Um, definitely, if somebody has a history of psychosis, um, that is not appropriate. It can bring on, you know, some psychotic uh, behaviors. If somebody is schizophrenic generally um we will not uh start because we don't we don't want to create a scenario where that would worsen yeah i have many patients call who would like to recover from substance abuse and when they're in recovery and doing well that's when i think the ketamine can come on board to help with maybe cravings um and to help maybe with you know the anxiety and the depression for sure because most we're self-medicating for some reason or another so it definitely can be helpful but while they're doing their substances while while they're just either just starting recovery or not quite in recovery yet i tell them that it's not safe because ketamine is a tranquilizer and it can cause a whole other level of um anesthesia if you will we we try to keep it sub anesthetic and it yeah. works beautifully but i we don't want to get into a heavy sedation type of scenario right in the right. office it's not safe yeah and that and i imagine you know if somebody's you know in the middle of substance abuse uh treatment and support that you know you want to minimize craving behavior too right. um so um so I have had some patients who have been in for about three months, they've been in recovery and then they call and then it works well. Uh-huh. Then it helps very much uh-huh. but until they're really at that point where they're committed to their recovery and they're doing well and their body's starting to you know, rid itself of whatever buildup and toxins. I think I just recommend to them to continue their recovery yeah. or start their recovery. And, and then at a future time, you know, we can, we can talk. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. So much sense. So, um, wow. So, so much, I, I guess I want to uh, say a couple things before I want you to have a chance to tell people how they can reach you. But so listeners, you all know this. So, but I need to say the obligatory disclaimer, which is that neither I nor Jill are suggesting or encouraging you to go and and receive ketamine treatment. That said, the beauty of having Jill on the podcast is that you can learn a little bit about it and why it is suddenly so widely accepted and in fact being utilized and researched at Harvard, Yale, Hopkins, 
It's part of a wider movement right now to look at drugs that are psychoactive in new titrated and different ways. Um, there is nothing remotely flaky <laughs> or um, uh, cavalier about uh, ketamine clinics and ketamine treatment being done in res by responsible clinicians uh, in the proper set and setting. So we're at a very exciting time in our psychiatric world, in our medical world. A lot of exciting things are happening. So Jill, I would like to say uh, two things. One is I'd like you to tell people how they can find you, if you could give your website. And so I'll put it in the program notes, but so people can hear it from you. Thank you very much. Uh, well, if they just Google us at Ketamine Wellness Infusions PA, I guess dot com. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's our website, www.ketaminewellnessinfusionspa. And um, we are on uh, Facebook, we're on uh, Instagram, we are on LinkedIn. So they can search us in all those different ways. And you're located in, in Balakinwood outside of Philadelphia by what, like 20 right minutes? Right next door to Philadelphia. It's not even that far. Balakinwood oh, wow. is literally five minutes next to Philadelphia. Oh, okay. So mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So it's, it's basically very, in Philly, folks. <laughs> very easy to find us. Yes. Philly friendly. Okay. Um, is there anything before we close out, say goodbye, that you would like to say and share with listeners that I didn't ask about your work, about you, anything? Well, um, I would just like people to know that uh, this is, this is, as you were saying, a tremendous time in uh, mental health care. This is a time of great excitement and great hope. So if anybody out there is, you know, suffering or, or, or having depression, they should just know that there are many things that are being researched along with, well, the ketamine research is, there are some studies, but it, that's pretty much a given. That's pretty much been studied. But the, um, you know, the the other uh, psychedelics are being heavily studied, and the results are proving to be incredible. Clinical trials are being done now all over the world, and there's a lot of promise. So stay hopeful. Mm -hmm. That's why. That's what I'd like to say to everybody. Oh, beautiful! I think that is a great place for us to stop, stay hopeful. There are wonderful minds and wonderful hearts working to come up with new and different therapies that mitigate side effects. And we really are on the cusp of some very exciting, exciting changes in the field. So Jill, I wanna thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. And, Thank you, Yeah, and continue to keep doing your great work in the world. And it'll be exciting to see how it all plays out, continues to grow. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. I appreciate it. Hi, everyone. I appreciate you listening. And I have an ask of you. If you enjoy the podcast, please like it, follow it, give it a review on Apple Podcasts or Google, and tell family and friends and share it. I'd like to grow this podcast and truly, I need your help to do it. So until next time, 
Take good care.